Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk. I'm Heather Taylor Singh, the editor of Floor Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lena Lahali, who is a recent graduate of the English program at Ryerson University. She's starting her master's degree in September, and she's also a Muslim woman, the topic of today's conversation. We're going to be talking about what it was like growing up, how Lena learned to identify herself, and how she stays connected to her culture. Like I was obviously aware of like di- like physical differences. Like I, but I guess as a child you don't even like you know yeah. you don't really think about those things. I noticed a difference between when I wore hijab and when I didn't. So when I'm you know the scarf upon my head, the race is assumed. You're either Middle Eastern or you're Southeast Asian. We'll also be continuing our series starter kit, where we share tips on introducing yourself to a topic. In this episode, our guest Lena will be talking about how to get involved with your culture through your local community. So if you're interested in learning more about Islam from a theological or religious perspective, um, look for credible books, videos, um, and scholars who are well-versed in the religion. But first, let's get into my conversation with Lena about growing up as a Muslim woman in today's society. When there was a mass exodus of Palestinians, they went into you know the neighboring countries, Syria, Lebanon, um, and Jordan, um, but Jordan has a really special um, or a really interesting space in this whole conversation because the majority, or not the majority, half of at least half of the population in Jordan are actually Palestinians of Palestinian descent. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and so um, they're similar in culture, similar in you know. Um, like values and not that they're not similar as well in in Jordan or sorry in Syria and in Lebanon but that that's why a lot of people say like when they go to Jordan or when they go to Palestine they go to Jordan first not always of course there's some people who still live in Palestine or the the Palestinian area and so uh, in my case my dad's side lives in Jordan and my mom's side lives in Palestine and uh, being able to go not a lot of people are afforded the opportunity to actually go to Palestine because a their families no longer live there, uh, or B, um, during approximately like 1948, a lot of villages were destroyed. So the villages are just like non-existent. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So were you born in Canada? That's my biggest question. No, I wasn't. I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, what? That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's. I, I mean, I guess that's like my... Um, the icebreaker that you use in in, in class and they're like what fact about yourself and you're like I was born in Chicago Illinois um I was anyone is everyone always like super shocked they're like yeah 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 because um the the assumption is that um if you're not born in Canada and you know you're a you know a a visually like Muslim or not visually um you wear the hijab or like you, you know you're a Muslim like um the assumption is that you're born in some sort of Middle Eastern country or Eastern country overseas. Um, and then you go like, actually I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Not that that's like something to, to you know, like this, you're not better or worse. Yeah. If you, if you're born wherever, like that doesn't, that's not like a, a trophy or an accomplishment. Um, but I guess it, it, it skews the conversation, assumes that people, um, you know, the immigrants come from all countries. And yeah. the the Muslim immigrant, if you want, if you will, um, doesn't just come from you know overseas. They come from South, okay. South America. So how do you identify yourself when people ask about your race? Like, what do you say? Um, Does it ever come up? Is it something that people ever ask? 
The interesting thing is that when you, when I noticed a difference between when I wore hijab and when I didn't. So when I'm physical, when I'm like, you know, the scarf upon my head, the com the, the race is assumed. The race is assumed, uh, particularly you're either Middle Eastern or you're Southeast Asian. Um, but I never really introduced the, you know, my... It, that's not the first co like point of conversation. It's always about something else. I think uh, when people are in, you, what people are most interested about is my last name, Lahali, and so that doesn't really sound Arab or Middle Eastern or Muslimy, if you will. Um, and so someone someone might ask like, Yo, where are you where are you from? And it's like I have Pal you know Palestinian descent, Arab Palestinian descent. Um, I, and I, I guess the hijab would would say that I'm Muslim. But the interesting thing is, uh, especially going in. Or going to high school in a small town, um, people would people are a little bit hesitant to ask like what religion you are. So like, oh, so what's your faith background? And I'm like, and you know, the assumption is you wear hijab, you're Muslim. But um, I guess there's such a like, people are really, really, really tense about these conversations. I, I guess those I, I never let um, certain question like no, no question to me is like idiotic or ignorant you know what i'm saying like a lot of people yeah. are afraid to like ask questions a lot of people are afraid to just simply off um the they have a really big fear of coming off as offensive offensive and you know the, a lot of the rape uh, the the labels that are like oh you're racist you're ignorant you're this you're that you're and like Obviously, you call it racism and, and sexism and all of these things when they're needed, but the concept of like emotional, like without without really going off track, but the concept of like emotional labor and like having to explain, you know, your identity to people. And of course, a lot of people have experiences where it's tiring for them, but for me personally, I enjoy that conversation. You like enjoy explaining your background and like, yeah, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, I have a question because yeah. I don't know if this is like. Yeah, I guess now I'm asking, like, is it an ignorant question? But I guess <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, is or what is the difference between, like, Islam and Muslim? Is it, like, is Islam, like, the religion? And, like, Muslim is, like, how you would identify? Like, I'm a Muslim person. What is the difference? This is a really interesting question. So, okay. at face value, or the, more, the most, like, orthodox answer I can give you is that Islam is the religion, and Muslim is a person who adheres to Islam. Um, but I've actually been trying to explore what those concepts mean because people have used um, the term culturally Muslim or Muslim as like an identity, um, like almost like a racialized identity. And like that's very new to me. Mm -hmm. I never understood that. I understood it as, you know, here's Islam, here's a religion. And then people who adhere to Islam or like practice of Islam, the main tenets are Muslim. Um, but people have, um, I think this is in light of conversation, like, you know, some people who say, you know, I've, I've grown up in a, in a Muslim household, much like a Christian household or a Jewish household, but I am not really practicing or I no longer believe in certain things and, but I still celebrate Eid or I still occasionally fast or, and, and so to me, I, I guess it, it goes back to the individual. Like I will never say you are Muslim or you're not Muslim. Like that's a that's a out of bound thing. Like I will never have a conversation with someone saying that you are not Muslim and you are more Muslim. There's no. I I feel like that's like rooted in ego and rooted in like judgment. Um, but it's 
difficult. I'm personally, it's really difficult for me to understand what like a cultural Muslim is. Okay. Um, but it, it's re- so it's really interesting. So you, you so you, I, just to go back to your question, Islam is the religion, okay. and Muslims are the um, are adherents to Islam. But you'll always hear the like recently you'll start hearing the the term cultural Muslim, and that doesn't necessarily mean that people are adherents to the tenets of Islam, so like prayer and fasting and charity, Mm -hmm. Um, but they still, the, you know, the holidays and the fasts are, represent a sort of traditional culture that they still want to hold on to. So, like, so would you consider yourself a cultural Muslim? Is, okay. Mm, No, I think I, so Islam, so I am of Palestinian descent. Okay. Um, and so there are some cultural values that, you know, coincide with like Islamic values, you know, like Eid and Ramadan and stuff. But I still have like I have a distinct history. Uh, you know, my people have a distinct history um, of Palestinian food and culture and history and stuff. And so that I know, like, I feel like that is culture. Okay. And then my religious identity is Muslim. So I'm Muslim in that respect. I okay. adhere to the tenets of Islam. I, you know, I um, pray five times a day. I fast. I uh, give charity when I can, and I wear the hijab. I'm visibly Muslim, so I'm Muslim, So I'm very, very proud of my Muslim identity and my um, Palestinian identity. I think another way, like another way to think of this, is that um, Christianity is such a really big. And I use the yeah. the church, you know, the, this analogy. It's really, um, I guess, most prominent to a lot of audiences, but. Um, a Catholic in like the Philippines and then a Catholic say in like Rome or like in Italy. Yeah. It's like they're both Catholic but they they're not they their cultures are not necessarily the same. They're they're the same in that they perhaps adhere to the same values and belief systems, but the Philippines has its own distinct history. Okay. And Italy has its own distinct history. So when did you come to Canada? When I was two thousand three. Seven, seven years old. So my father, um, my father's company transferred him here to to Toronto, and then we just moved here. I mean, that's like in short. That's the the shorter thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess the longer conversation is that my family. So the Lahali family has been in the United States since the nineteen. I'm gonna say sixties, early sixties, late fifties, and so in so when you try to contextualize that, it's during the time where like. Um, segregation was still a thing and yeah. the civil rights movement was like you know really at its booming. height yeah um, and so you you ask yourself like where where does a person of color sit in the where you're like you know yeah we, we can easily mix you know I, I think just our particular family in general it's like we're on the lighter side so um, I, I guess we have if, if you will like the white privilege and that you can easily if you're not wearing hijab whatever you can I guess blend in I really uh, I don't like that term but you, you know so I guess you're not identifiably like as an other yes um, okay and so my you know my family or, or one of our members of our family kind of went by when passed as Italian or Greek oh um, and so the conversation of like an Arab or whatever didn't really fit so yeah I guess that kind of goes into my question did you ever feel like quote-unquote different when you were growing up when you came to Canada when I to backtrack a little bit so yeah. in Chicago I didn't I didn't understand oh, yeah because that's a very that's like kind of similar to Canada yeah yeah so I'm the, okay, I guess I did I went to a school so 
obviously like Chicago's a really big city and so there's suburbs and to be specific it's like I grew up in a suburb that was um, uh, mainly a population of Jewish uh, students and Latino and Hispanic students and so I was the only like Arab within my school like our school was very small you had, I mean like no more than 200 students oh wow yeah I didn't I just thought like everyone like I was obviously aware of like di- like physical differences like I but I guess as a child you don't even like you know yeah. you, you don't really think about those things um but I felt like everyone celebrated Eid and I thought that everyone just celebrated Christmas and I thought that everyone just celebrated you know like my friend uh my best friend Rachel she celebrated Hanukkah and so um I just thought like everyone just celebrated everything and I guess it was made more complicated by the fact that um my family so I have like relatives who are also biracial so they would celebrate both like Eid oh. and Christmas and they'd have their Christmas tree up and I didn't understand like that I was I, I just thought that everyone has celebrated everything oh um, that's so like tender for <laughs> it is yeah um I, I mean I, I still went to you know I went to Sunday school so I went to Islamic school and Arabic school on the weekend yeah. but I just thought everyone did that so I wasn't really aware of the of the differences and I guess it's a really like naive point of view yes um but- it's for a child. It's, like, understandable. Yeah. And so in, um, so then moving on, I guess, like, when you're seven, you're really, you became, you become to, you start to develop, like, a really, like, a self-conscious, um, yeah. personality. And for me, it wasn't focused on culture or religion. It was more so, like, eyebrows and, like, <laughs> you know, and, like, the color of your hair. It was, like, a really, like, really, um juvenile thing yeah. but race and and um and religion were not a factor yet i i guess to me i mean and, and no, so i guess yeah, yeah. And, and so i guess like the, the the thing that i really want to drive like the main message that i want to get across is that like by no means is my well like experience a representation of everyone's experience yeah. we could be living in the same you know the, go to the same school live in the same area but we have totally different experiences I guess it depends on the the, the person, yeah, themselves, sure. and just the the the, guard, the cards that they're dealt with. I guess. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, yeah, not everybody, like you can't speak for everyone. Of course, because <laughs> I mean that's like that's the most obvious thing. But I think when people want to talk about um, big, you know, race and religion and politics are really they've always been big things, but they're just more politicized than I've ever seen them before. Yeah. Like um, now, like in, yeah, okay. like in, and now, and so people, you know, so everyone's rushing to like interview a Muslim, the Muslim, the a Muslim woman, a you know, a, a really strong Muslim man, whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's like those stories are so important to me. I love them, but they're by no means representative. A representative, um, whether they're good or bad. So, for example, when there's like a terrorist attack, and the person happens to be of Muslim background. Um, you see the right or like some people go like oh my god Muslims are total terrorists and they're all gonna kill us and blah, blah 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 and then you have the other the other side which says like when there is a good thing that happens um, you have people who are quoting who says like you know like, oh Muslims are really great and oh Muslims are whatever yeah and it's like we're normal people like they're good and bad like I will never say that all Muslims are good the, the, the same uh, premise isn't obvious for people of all cultures, all races, yeah. all sexes, all. It's just a natural thing. Humans are humans. They're gonna be bad and they're gonna be good. Yeah. But to portray Muslims as all good, 
is just as damaging as portraying Muslims as all bad because yeah. then you then there's like a deflection of our responsibility to root out bad and good because good and bad exist wherever in all spectrums. I read this really interesting article actually in university and it was the problem in Hollywood is not that we're representing we're representing Muslims as terrorists. And so she starts with that liner and that's such a contradictory thing. You're like, what do you mean that's not bad? It's making, you know, it's dehumanizing all Muslims. She continues on saying, what we need is not less terrorists on television. What we need is a more diverse, more diversity in the storylines. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's such a, that, like, that my brain just, like, <laughs> like, all this knowledge. I was like, oh my God. And it's true. It's true. It's like, you're not going to get, like, we don't want this, like, not every single Muslim person has to be, you know the good person who saves everyone yeah. or like the only muslim woman is the one who's like who's wearing hijab but she's actually good um you need a diversity in storyline there's so many problematic things with like the terrorist storyline but you know in the, the the larger grand scheme of things the there needs to be more storylines and more um perspectives and not something that we're really really lacking have you seen anything like in movies or TV that you think is slightly representative of like Muslim culture or anything like that? I'm not a really big television person. That's really that's a really sad thing. Um, <laughs> but I just, the, the, I mean, the thing that I really like. I think I, I I look at a lot of like popular culture and a lot of um, mm-hmm. um, is that you see. So the the thing with again with the thing with the um, with Hollywood or with media in general, is that you only know someone's Muslim because they wear the hijab, like Muslim women in particular, because they wear the hijab. But then it's like we look at all your favorite, you know, um, all your favorite shows or maybe like at your favorite actors. Um, I'm talking. I'm gonna talk about per- perhaps in this case Arab and Muslim. Um, actors so arab was a race you know they, they could be christian they could be muslim um islam is like you're strictly muslim but from other cultures as well mm-hmm. um but a lot of your favorite like football players you know in this case like soccer players i mean um and in your movies and in all these things they're muslim people or they're arab but you just don't know because yeah. they blend in yeah they're not visibly muslim so they're there but the hmm. but then the thing the article that the the big hurrah I, I see or like the trend that I see so it's like you know the first Muslim doing this the first Arab doing this and I'm like they've been there for a while you just haven't seen anyone well established and strong women I I like to emphasize women because they really are like the 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 driving force between behind like changing perceptions and, and perspectives and stuff but they've been the the hijab in Western culture if you if you want to put it that way it's a symbol obviously of islam but that doesn't mean that muslim women haven't been you know the the trailblazers behind a lot of like industries and and and, um jobs and successes and stuff so i'd ask that people open their eyes more and perspectives and widen their understandings of what it means to be a muslim yeah okay i have a question did Mm -hmm. you was it your choice to wear the hijab i get this question a lot and I th- for, so for me personally, um, I uh, wasn't forced to wear the hijab. My mom wore the hijab when she was, I'm gonna say mid twenties, mid twenties. So like after her marriage, and even well after, like after she, she, my mom didn't wear the hijab when she was when I was born. 
Um, and my sister, my younger sister, wore it when she was 18. And I wore it when I was 15. Um, so I've been lucky to, to make that decision. Um, I can tell you that my decision when I wore the hijab greatly differs from now. Okay. And so when I essentially wanted to wear it in the beginning, I got, we had just moved to Milton. And I, again, it was starting to grow in diversity, but like 2010, it's way <laughs> different than oh, like... Oh, I moved to Milton. Okay, I moved in the same year. But I was like, it was, it was a really, like it was still small. People knew each other, you know, like everyone knew basically everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the... It was very rare to see someone who, like a Muslim student wear, like, or woman wear, wear a hijab. And so for me, it was like really naive perception that was like, I'm going to break stereotypes and okay. I can do this and this and I'm going to prove to everyone that I can like, you know, you can be happy. And because there, there was still this perception that like Muslim girls um, are oppressed and that they are, they lack agency or that they're quiet. And some people have that narrative and that experience and I never would never want to take that away from anyone um but to me as a 15 year old I was like well I'm not like that and a lot of people that I grew up are not like that of course there's a lot of privilege that comes along with that with that statement like that but to me it was like I'm gonna prove everyone wrong and so like you know I'd like to think that I excelled in like um, like student leadership and social activism if you'd like in the most naive sense um, and I was like a you know all around friendly person I'd like to think, uh, but as I've grown older, and when I think university really was a really really big game changer for me, because you're exposed to a lot of perspectives from Muslims and non-Muslims that say for example the hijab is um, an anti-feminist statement that it is uh, a mechanism used by men you know to control you and that um, if you are equal to you know a man why doesn't a man wear a hijab and these are like all like statements that I really haven't thought about before and it just like it hit me like a ton of bricks and so this quote-unquote safe space in Milton where like everyone took you know your word for things um, it, it, it doesn't sit well in the larger like world, the real world, if you, if you will. And so I guess my university experience was me trying to figure out what my, like, you know, what my beliefs actually are. Why do I wear the hijab? Where does the hijab originate? And that includes, you know, consulting what I consider to be authentic resources, um, consult, you know, speaking to people of knowledge, people who have studied the religion, because obviously everyone adheres to you know, people who call themselves Muslim and they pray five times a day and they pray and they uh, give charity and stuff. And of course they're Muslim, um, but you need to study the religion as a, from an academic point of view or from a scholarly point of view. And not everyone gets the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And so to me, when I don't know anything, I consult whatever, you know, my resources. And I've been very lucky to, um, to, to, to have mentors like that along the way. Um, I'd actually like to like shout out my, my, my very close friend um, and mentor, uh, Omnia, who, who's been really fundamental in my, and she, I, you know, she doesn't, I don't, she doesn't hear this often, but she's a very, very busy woman, but she really, really changed my perspective on what it meant to be uh, a Muslim woman in, in Canada, in the West, um, and how your beliefs are not really contradictory, they don't contradict with Western um, life, you could be, you know, she encouraged, she basically encouraged me 
um, to be an active citizen and that like Islam and that the hijab and that you know your status as a Muslim does not diminish that at all and so I guess in retrospect the it's all right for people to change um, their their minds or their opinions um, for me it became it's become less about like proving to other people and more about my relation my personal relationship with God and so that means that when the praise or the criticism is gone your faith is still there my parents have been really careful of using faith especially because faith and culture are really really um, what would be considered sacred or like really like a a really important portion of our lives as a tool of manipulation to make a kid more religious or more cultural because it ultimately drives you away from the faith yeah. and if you really know about the faith about Islam I guess this, and, and I'm sure that this is um, universal is that it's a very personal experience and so your experience with Islam or your experience as a Muslim may differ and actually most likely differs than how your parents practice Islam or um, not, not, not that there's a discrepancy in whether like you pray and you don't pray it's more of like how 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 have you used um, you know the faith to navigate your everyday life or your everyday um, um, hardships if you will whether they're smaller or or, or, uh, or big issues so for you to say you're more Muslim or less Muslim, or that you wear hijab, why, or she wears hijab, why don't you wear hijab, or that he fasts and you're fast, you don't fast, like that's a really troublesome thing because in the end you end you end up envying the person and they may not even know. Yeah. But my parents have been really careful that they've never, as far as you know, how I've grown up, they've never said this person's more religious than you or this person's more like you know they're doing this 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 why don't you do this this this. It's never been that. It's always really been. Good. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really grateful. Sometimes I feel like I don't deserve my parents. They're very, um, they, I, they've shaped a lot in, in, in my life. And I think it's because, um, just the experiences and the outlook they have. They, you know, my dad came to America when he was, his early twenties to do his masters. So imagine like twenty, and he's like in his fifties now. And so that's a large portion of your of your life. Basically, he's lived, you know, in the West, in America and Canada, if you combine them, more than he's lived in Jordan. Um, and my mom, she came to America when she was 21 or 22, like in her early 20s. Um, and again, you know, she's well in her 40s. And so, again, your entire life is, in, is, is situated in the West. How do you think Canada is? Like, do you like living in this country? Do you feel like... Of course... Yes, I do love listening. I'm so privileged. I'm so. It's not like a, a general statement, like oh yeah, I gotta look at it. But it's, I th I think, I've been I've been very fortunate to live in a country that you know, um, with the oppor like the opportunities that I've been given. I'm talking about me, per and I know it's a really like a very very loaded statement. Um, people's experiences. I want it like I, I really want to emphasize this that people's experience of this country differs. Um, and for me, I'm not watering down any sort of like prejudice or, or, or marginalization that exists, you know, and that a lot of, you know, Muslim families have been subjected to, or that a lot of racialized families have been subjected to. But I'm talking about like my experience. I, you know, I've lived in a 
a middle class, you know, middle class. Everyone calls himself middle class, but I'd like yeah. to think we're actually middle class, like middle middle to upper class, you know, or upper middle. I think that's the real thing. Oh yes. I guess that shapes your 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 experiences. Um, I, for as long as I remember, like I go along with everyone. The way that I was brought up was to serve community, to serve people, and that starts at home. It's really about cultivating the individual experience, and I and I feel like our faith has guided, not that it needs to be, but that, but for us, like you know, um, the teaching of Islam have really guided us in terms of um, being far more open-minded, being um, more um, listening more. A lot of the teachings of our Prophet Saint Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, may peace be upon him. Um, taught us that you know your neighbor has rights over you meaning um, if you're cooking food for example this is a really like but obviously that the, the times are different and stuff but if you're cooking food and your neighbor can smell your food and it smells really good and whatever you have an obligation to send them oh, food over okay and I and that could be taken literally or metaphorically is that like you have to look out for your neighbor um, when it's winter, like we have, a, we've always had great relationship relationships with our, with our neighbors, and I, I keep using the example of neighbor, but that extends far beyond neighbors. That extends like within your community, um, your mayor, your your, um, you know, the fire department, like like really any. I'm just saying like any sort of like anywhere where you could make a connection and just like, lit, you know, lighten up a little bit. You know, yeah. people, um, people may not always agree with you and. Of course, there's a lot of policies and people that are like, you know, that mean harm, but I choose to focus on the, the opposite. Do you have any thoughts on like the whole I don't see color comment? <laughs> the I don't see color statement is problematic. It really is. Um, we, there's a connotation, like I under, I'm trying to think of like the way in which, which it's been used quote unquote nicely. And I guess from that perspective, it means that like your race doesn't mean like your you know your physical appearance is not a um, is not a factor in how I treat you. Like that's the nicest way that I could interpret that. But that there there's a implied connotation to that to that statement that suggests that um, that color is an impediment to how you treat someone race is or religion or, or anything outwardly is an impediment to to the level of respect that you that, that you owe someone or the how you treat someone and traditionally it's been assumed that you know um, anyone that's darker you know the, the connotations that w- with w- with the term like Someone who's black, someone who's brown, someone who's, you know, anything that's not white, it's like traditionally that's been stigmatized. And so for you to say, I don't see color, uh, suggests that there's something inherently wrong with being black or with being mm. brown or with being, being um, you know, a person of color or biracial or whatever. Um, I don't like that statement because I believe that everyone should be proud of who they are. And in particular, I've been doing a lot of research about our, um, just reading and I'm trying to look at different, I think I'm in a space right now where I currently, I'm just trying to understand a lot of different perspectives. The term, I don't see color diminishes that history and it diminishes the, the, um, the pride that many women hold. You studied English. So why did you decide to study English? Was there a reason or like a driving force for that? 
Um, yes. So, <laughs> in short, yes. Um, so, within the Muslim community, very generally, and, and, and I guess this has to do more with um, Middle Eastern, Southeast Asian culture, um, but within, but even even within here, it's like the status of prestige is, you know, mm-hmm. a doctor, an engineer, um, a famous like actor, director, whatever. Like those are the marker, a lawyer. Those are the, like the big like name things. But I knew that I always liked to write, and I always liked journalism, and I always liked some sort of um, anything that had to do with writing and understanding people. And I really do hold the belief that when you really want to understand a person. And this might can be considered like a soft skill, but central to understanding the human condition is looking at a people's culture through literature and through art and through, because it, you know, it lets you into the belief systems that existed at the time of the, at a certain time. It lets you into their psyche if they're reading a diary. So I, I guess my love for people is what drove me to, to the humanities. For me, I'm more interested in like academic writing and research, and um, that's central to like public policy making. To um, you know, the, the change the change that you'll affect you know in generations of you know um, of other um, future university goers, if you will. Uh, it's central to 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 a lot of things, and so I may never be a professor, university professor, but. I would like to be within the realm of academic writing and research. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. Thank and you for having me. I'm really happy to speak with you. It's so, so exciting. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Lena Lahali. Um, I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on the other social media platforms, so you can find me on Twitter. Cool. Welcome back to Starter Kit, a segment on Let's Talk where we share tips for growing your knowledge on a topic. In today's installment, our guest Lena will be talking about how to get involved with your culture or religion based on your current surroundings. Even though you might live in a small town like Lena, there are still ways to get involved and stay true to your roots. Here's Lena on her tips for staying connected to her culture. Hi, I'm Lena, and here are my tips on how you could learn more about Muslims um, and Islam. I think one of my big tips is to start local. Uh, reach out to Muslims in your community. Um, they could be your Muslim friends, your community members, neighbors, co-workers. Um, I hold the sincere belief that if people, that at heart, people want to understand and be understood. Um, and so having a heart-to-heart conversation um, can not only connect with connect you with the people around you but also um deepens your understanding of muslims my second tip would be to keep in mind that personal experiences are not monolithic um, and actually homogenizing the experiences of muslims brings about or brings a lot more harm than good because it um, suppresses the experiences of people um, and that's not what we're here to do. We're here to under, you know, the ultimate goal is to understand people and their experiences. Um, my third point would be to keep in mind that you have to differentiate between experiences, personal anecdotes, um, and the theological um, aspect. And so, if you're interested in learning more about Islam from a theological or religious perspective, um, look for credible books, videos, um, and scholars who are well versed in the religion. 
Um, my fourth tip would be to keep an open mind. Good luck. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Let's Talk podcast. A huge, huge thank you to Lena for being on the podcast. You can follow her on Twitter at underscore Lena Lahali. That's underscore L-E-N-A-L-A-H-A-L-I-H. And you can follow us on Instagram at Floor Magazine and visit our website, floormagazine.com. I'll see you next month with another episode of Let's Talk. Thank you.